If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Hmm. Uh, so what do you do? That's the great question. <laughs> what is the long-term effect of too much information? Hello and welcome back to the Wine Jar Cynics podcast. I am Dio. This is Gene. I'm Mac. All right, today's uh, topic is cynic ideals in a nutshell. So I think we should have started with this episode to introduce people to this philosophy of cynicism instead of the cynicism versus cynicism, you know, little C versus big uh, C. Yeah. Yeah, I think this would have been better. Because, again, most people, when they think of cynicism, they think of the bad parts, mostly because of the, the only written history of, of the cynics is through, is, is through the lens of their enemies. Did you know that? So we actually don't have any many personal accounts of of cynicism by the cynics. We have we have per, we have accounts of them being berated by their philosophical opponents because you know schools competed for students, the Stoics versus the Epicureans, the cynics. Actually, the cynics didn't care; they didn't have a school. So that's the that's the difference between it. It's supposed to be simple and accessible for anybody of any class or race or even gender, really. So let's talk about the, um, the main ideas. We'll just go down on a list. We'll discuss it. First, and this is, by the way, not an importance. But first thing is diatribe. Oh, in no particular order? Nope, no particular order. First one is diatribe. So cynics rant. It's their thing. And apparently the, the, di- the first, not, I won't say the first diatribe, but the most popular diatribe was by the cynics. They made it into a literary style where they only critique people. So another one is satire. Satire is something that's, I wouldn't say exclusively from the cynics, but they want to, they put an emphasis on it. So all these ideals, they're not only from the cynics. The difference is that the cynics, they put an emphasis on it because that's the, the whole point of the, their, their stick, you know? The next one is parousia. So that's in Greek. It means freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is important for the cynics. So this, this is why we put an emphasis on freedom of speech. I mean, no philosophy, you can't have any philosophy without freedom of speech. But the whole point of why it's so important for the cynics is because, you know, you couldn't, you can't be a cynic in any other country, actually, if you think about it. Because freedom of speech was classically something you would see in uh, Athens at the time, uh, in Greece, right? This was, you know, protected speech because it was a democracy, something unique to to Greece. So I I can't imagine being a cynic in, like, ancient China or any other autocratic, you know, know, monarchy at the time. Because if you make fun of the cynic, I mean, if you're a cynic in 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 ancient China and you talk bad about the emperor... Yeah, you're going to get your head cut off. I don't think it's possible. It's not possible. So this is why cynicism, it makes sense that it came from Greece because that's where freedom of speech is protected legally. And he, that's all they would do. They would talk bad about um, uh, the the elected officials. They would call them the demagogues. They would call them, uh, they're ruled by the mob. They're, they're, they're not kings, you know? So this is why... Freedom of speech is important to the cynics. Next one is imitating Hercules. 
uh, it's a big ideal to imitate him because he went through a lot of struggle and he overcame it again 12 the 12 labors all the stuff he had to do to impress the king uh and in general he had a bad life you know in the stories or whatever of hercules next one is you guys got any comments by the way next one is defacing the currency so the whole point of defacing the currency is is to object to the status quo to some norms for example or a good example was diogenes when he talked to people he would say you know the, the city states back in the day they would ask you where are you from like what city are you from what are you from sparta are you from athens you know this is, this is a huge deal back then because of the city states the way the governmental structure of these these places back in the day so it was about status like are you an athenian are you a corinthian are you from thebes like what how should i treat you based on where you're from kind of thing so he would say you know he wanted to defy this so he would say i'm a citizen of the universe to be you know a smart you know an asshole like he was and you know show them that oh i don't i don't play by your rules kind of thing i don't know from any city so they bust probably <laughs> i can imagine they get pissed off at him for that um next one is aestheticism and by the way this is not only a cynic thing you know the buddhist monks from what i understand they are aesthetic they live an aesthetic lifestyle mm -hmm. so they avoid all indulgences right how would you how would you describe it what what is the aestheticism uh, it's just separating yourself from main society and uh, leading a spiritual life basically restricting pleasures so that you can focus on truth and that's an interesting that's just, i think this is something we haven't really talked about um limiting pleasure i think there's a lot of no fat yeah no no we should yeah i mean not just that um just just <laughs> i want to say dopamine how, how do i how would i say it there's too much short-term gratification and this is screwing with people's um habits so this yeah. is something we haven't funny enough um yeah uh, definitely it's talked uh, about it's changing people well what what ha what are the long-term um problems of short-term gratification feels like people will lose patience yeah they'll become finicky become more impatient you wouldn't be able to follow through on stuff there won't be there's no commitment and you just wouldn't be able to overcome difficulties that's just why aestheticism is something that they why why it makes sense they would they would want to do this kind of stuff right because I, man i've noticed like fucking just the digital age i've become way more mentally weak than i used to be a lot more mental issues <clears throat> i'm just i'm just less like it's something, scary something's tough and you're kind of like ah, fuck it. but people it's funny <laughs> enough if you're like a zoomer and you're born in this it's like it's all you you've ever known so you normalize it but then people from the past like we were talking about um like for example, Mac, he's he just stated, like you see the problem with it. So actually, that's something we should talk about in another episode. But the whole point is to limit pleasure, so you can become stronger. If you become too pleasure, if you indulge in too many pleasures, the cynics thought you would become weak, and you don't want to become weak because you want to be like Hercules. Hercules became strong. You know he. He's a demigod, but he still trained. He still did his labors. He overcame them. 
And that's why he became a god. He took his place in the rightful throne with Zeus and all these people. That's the whole point, you know? So that's just why I, I emphasize this part. Because a lot of people don't realize it. You know, even I, you know, recently just started thinking about this. How short-term gratification has is really destroying. Not destroying. I'm not going to, you know, frame this as a narrative. and It's destroying the humanity as we know it. But, you know, it's not a good thing. Didn't, I think we did this jug or this quote before. Comfort is a drug. Once you get used to it, it becomes addicting. Give a weak man consistent sex, good food, cheap entertainment, and he'll throw his ambitions right out the window. The comfort uh-huh. zone is where dreams go to die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This right here. We can make this a whole new uh, new episode. Um, next, I'm gonna go to the next one though. Self mastery. Um, what they mean by self mastery is that you know, try to master your 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 wits, and your body. You know, if you don't have a good body, if you're not physically tough, if you're not, if you don't condition it, then you're not going to have a good mind. Your body's your temple, that kind of thing. That's one 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 important aspect. Um, Very interesting one. Next one is inner happiness without possessions. It's about uh, cynicism teaches minimalism. So they used to be known for just traveling around with a cloak. A cloak and a staff. That's it. And a wallet. Three things. You know, your essentials. Um, minimalism is on the rise for a reason. You know, you don't want your things to own you. Materialism. So this is why they they like it. Um, shamelessness. This is probably the one thing that I probably won't don't agree with. Shamelessness. But, you know, they have their reasons to be shameless. I think the reason why they wanted to be shameless... And, you know, they did all these crazy things like the, the radical exhibitionist, exhibitionism or whatever. Uh, you know, when you do radical, you know, you start showing your body in, in person, you you don't have much fear, I guess. I guess that's what the psychological reasoning behind it. You don't feel... Pooping on people's doorsteps. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't... Savage. Is this hard? S- smashing your you girl. You know, definitely... Smashing your girl in public. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing I, I'm going to comment on the shamelessness aspect. The the only shamelessness that would make sense is is in terms of free speech. When you're talking to somebody and you're speaking to them without you know addressing their title or their whatever things like that, that's how it would make sense. How to fit shamelessness and freedom of speech and how at least in the modern age, because you have to be shameless if you want to criticize even people who are. Anybody, if you want to criticize anyone, you have to be somewhat shameless. You have to be willing to be rude. And I mean, you can do it in a graceful way, but at the end of the day, you're still putting someone on the spot and telling them how it is. So I guess that's how shamelessness somewhat plays. I'm not sure if you guys agree with that, but that's how I rationalize it. I mean, it could fit into a lot of different areas of their life. I also think, you know, at this time, if you want to get someone's attention... And you're shameless. That's one way to do it. Whether or not you agree with it, if somebody does something crazy, even now, you can get your message across. I mean, this is why Steve-O yeah, does it. Yeah, but I mean... It, it's not al- the right way. That also just seems really immature. Yeah. Like, and, and some people will just not dignify it because it is so... Like, they don't want to reinforce that behavior. It, it, exactly. This is, But I'm just telling you that there are some people that think this way, and this is what, how I can rationalize yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, most, most toddlers do. Yeah, ex- toddlers? <laughs> no, look, look, for example, Steve-O, when he did his little charade, and he went up and he blew up the Shamu 
the fucking orca whale or whatever the and then people are like, fuck SeaWorld, you know? You, whether or not you agree with it, I mean, the message is out, right? <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I think most of us don't agree with this. I think this is the one thing we probably disagree with the most is this right here. Um, next one. And it really pushes individual individualism. So it's good and bad. The reason why is I think you should be an individual, but I think at the same time, you know, growing, you know, getting older, sometimes I think there is some common good and, you know, some collective benefit you should be aiming for because we still live in society, whether we like it or not, you know? So why not? That's my disagreement with okay. the individualism because they're, it's hyper-individualistic cynicism. That's what it wants to promote. That's just my disagreement with it. Another one is they want to reject hierarchy. So that's anarchistic principles. Like they want to reject, yeah, reject, rejecting hierarchy. That's all I can say. There's not much for me to say about it. You know, that's what it is. They want to reject the power. They don't think the power is legitimate for the most part, the cynics. They think that all these people, for example, their biggest critique were the, the so-called rulers uh, in Athens, you know, all these politicians his his criticism was that these rulers weren't rulers. Really, they were just they were they were controlled by the mob, and that's his criticism of some powers. He says, "I think for the most part, cynics believe that power is usually how do I say it? And most anarchists believe this too. Most power is on I don't know what what word they use, but it's not deserved." It's invalid. All power is invalid. That's just something they believe in. Whether or not you believe with it, it's something they preach. I just have to like, hear it explained. Yeah. That's why I'm just going through this through a list because these are just the ideas. But we can go on, go in depth on some of the, these ideas. Some of these I like. Some of these I don't. Self-sufficiency, the most important one. Self-sufficiency. But the the thing about cynicism is that they're they're seeing this from a metaphysical standpoint, rather than a a um, a literal standpoint. Whereas we would think self sufficiency as somebody who can go out off grid and stuff like that. People who are mountain men, the cynics they see self sufficiency as, oh, if you're happy, you're self sufficient. You know, because you don't have to change your behavior for the expectations of other people. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's tied to happiness. It's tied to, yeah, it's it's metaphysical. It's tied to... Other people still have to feed you, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is why, I, this yeah. is the one thing about... I like the concept. I don't like the way they they promoted it. Because, you know, they thought self-sufficiency was begging. I don't think that's self-sufficiency. But I like the idea, though. Uh, that's definitely my criticism of the... Of this idea of self-sufficiency. It's not really self-sufficient. Next one. They want to defy the status quo. It's very much like defacing the currency. But you know, none of this comes from nowhere. So, you know, the gadfly, Socrates, all that. This is where it comes from. They also, another tenet is sophos. Which means wisdom. So this is why I guess they consider them a philosophy school. They still put an emphasis on wisdom, 
but they think that wisdom should should come from existential experience, like a sage. So they don't value metaphysics and you know knowledge from schools and things like that. They think that wisdom should come from action, from true experience. That is true wisdom. Um, what was up with the sage part? The sage is oh. When they the sage technically you know has to do with existential experience, I don't know why they call it this the sage. I don't know maybe you have more knowledge about the sage in general. What does sage mean to you? Yeah, it depends on the culture. I think I don't. Yeah, they I use mean, the I, word I know, sage. I know sage in like a Chinese concept, but what is the Chinese concept? Just out of curiosity, Chinese concept is like a philosopher, basically, like the sage, like uh, in the Tao Te. Uh, Dada Jing talks about, you know, the sage does this and the sage does that. It's kind of like the exemplary, the exemplary man sort of thing. And, and so there's an equivalent in Taoism. They have the sage as it's translated, and in um, Confucianism they have the gentleman. Both of these are kind of like the the one who gets it, the one who no- understands. So in Taoism, the sage is one who's like in totally in tune with nature. And in Confucianism, it's like the gentleman is the one who's has the highest ideals, and he understands, you know, how you know everything connects, and uh, you know all the cultural connections work and stuff. So, I mean, that's I don't know. In in Greek, I, I wouldn't know the sages. I would guess some wise person. I, I think, yeah, I, I think I think we're overthinking it. Yeah, probably because I think the sage is just somebody who's wise, and they want to. Maybe they're thinking about sages from the old school, old school sages, like the first wise men. Because think about it, the first wise men, I think at that point, you know, looking going back to the far back in, in, in Greece's history, they didn't have these schools, these philosophy schools like Stoicism, Epicureanism, all these, even Cynicism. They had to learn it on their own. Who would they replicate? They learned it as they went, you know? Well, that, it's, it's drawing a difference between wisdom and education intelligence yeah because think about it the we, fr- we do that now too like you can go to school all you want and be smart but doesn't mean you're wise so yeah exactly this why, is, why is this life experience because the cynics they don't care about school they want uh somebody who can become wise through action and i think this is why they they talk about the sage so much the existential experience of the sage because why old old men are generally wiser because they've seen more shit <laughs> exactly wisdom and yeah you can't sometimes you you can't really teach wisdom you have to experience it absolutely you really can't you think you could but it's one of those things where you got to experience it and then we can talk because when you don't experience it you don't there is no discussion you know to be had yeah um uh, next one is they like their witticisms so it's very similar to the um, laconic phrasing. So the Spartans used to, you know, they had their one-liners. They would say stuff like, what was the most famous one? Oh, put down your weapons, Spartans, right? And they would say, molon labe, or something similar to that. Maybe it's not molon labe, but my, they would have their one-liners. My favorite was, we'll, we'll dine in the shade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll blacken the skies with our arrows, and they're like, "Then we'll have dinner in the shade." And I think this might be this <laughs> we'll might fight. We'll fight. We'll fight yeah, 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 we'll fight in the shade. And I think that they might have picked this up from the Spartans, because I think that's I know this this a lot of cynics, and the honorary cynic Socrates, he he was a laconophile. 
him and his student Xenophon, they appreciated and liked Spartan culture. And what is what is the most defining aspect of Spartan culture? Descended from Hercules. Yeah, that and yeah, they were just they had the fucking crazy one liners, you know? Come and take it. If, you know? <laughs> and the whole point of the cynic satire and dialogue is you know, you don't have to embellish things. Just have have a witty one-liner. You know, Diogenes was known for his witty li- one-liners. Whether or not they were true or not, I'm not going to say, but he was known for it. His witticisms. So, next one. Um, freedom. They sought freedom from emo- emo- emotional turmoil and independence from the outside world. Whether or not they actually did is not the point. They preached it. I know, and I know you should follow what you preach because I don't think they really followed it, in my opinion. This is why people criticize them. But I think the thought is there. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good idea to teach, in a way, freedom. Whether or not that you... I don't think that's freedom, in my opinion. But the, to them, that's what they thought it was. And they, they made it happen. Whether or not you agree with it, it's their version of freedom, where they would go out on the street and beg and... Some of them, and not all of them. Some of them would become satirists. They would, they would be writers, or they would be travelers. So, depending on which cynic we're talking about, they're not all the same. Next one is living in accordance with nature. So this is different from the Stoic version. There's, there's a difference. The cynics, when they say living in accordance, in accordance with nature, they're really saying, "What is the nature of a human? The nature of a human is to uh, be able to think and use logic and reasoning." I don't think that's a bad thing to teach. That's limited in course with no. nature. For them, it's a rational creature. And Plato talked about this too. The human is a rational creature. I, I agree with that. Next one is happiness can be achieved with physical and mental training. Yeah, that's, I think that's pretty self-evident. You know, if you want to be happy, I think most people who are, you know, mentally train themselves and physically, I think it's pretty self-evident. I think life is more meaningful. The essence of happiness is self-mastery, which manifests itself in the ability to live happily even under highly adverse circumstances. So despite them begging, they seem to be happy. It's a good thing whether or not, you know, even if you're not a... If you're in a bad... That's, this is the way I see it. I think they're thinking about it from the um, mythological perspective. Like, even if you're, like, Hercules, living in shitty conditions, you know, you're constantly having to battle things and prove yourself and defy the will of the gods, all those kind of things, you can still try to be happy. This is the way I see it, the interpretation, the modern interpretation. I think looking back at it, maybe there's something else, but that's how I see it. Um, Next one is... Self-mastery is equivalent or to entails a virtuous character. I think that's pretty self What what would you guys think of that? Why do you think that is self-mastery is a virtuous character? This is actually a hard one. I I mean, I I, I think self-mastery just encompasses a lot of those other things that we've already talked about. Well, it reminds me that actually I'm looking at it from a modern, like, I guess comparative ver- ver- like I think of the teapot and the samurai. Like if you're able to master something that takes discipline. If you're disciplined, you are more likely to be virtuous. That's that's the way I see it. 
what do yeah, you guys think? I, I think that's true as well. I didn't think of it like that. Because I, I think, think of disciplined people. I think people who are disciplined, they tend to have integrity. And I do think they tend to be a little bit more virtuous. Because I think discipline. Yeah. Mm, I, I Mac, would, by I, the way, I, Mac. I would bring sociopaths to the table. Yeah, actually, I started to think that too. There is and a lot of just really terrible business people. Well, I, I mean, you know, yeah. they're sociopaths. <laughs> and, the and CEOs, like, yeah. Yeah. you know what? I, highly driven, highly disciplined. Yeah. Not virtuous. How about the, <laughs> yeah. how about the not, not. At the extremes, it's very. Yeah, yeah. but we're talking, you know, sociopaths are a very small percentage of the population. I guess I'm trying to apply right, it right, to but I mean, in terms of. They're just, French. What is it like? What is the percentage of sociopaths? It's, it's small, but I'm saying, like, in terms of, like, the, the traditional some, definition of stuff, if we say. I, I think, again, this is something coming from a, a philosophy from 2,000 years ago. I think when they were thinking this, they weren't. Obviously, well, they didn't well, know about this, well, these kind of things. They wouldn't know about sociopaths, but there would still be these really, um, what's it called? I understand what it means in terms of like discipline versus a life of just indulgence. Yes, I, I do understand. Mm, okay, that. maybe that's that's the idea. Cause, yeah, because there's there's a there's virtue in that. But if we're just talking discipline in general, sociopaths are at the highest end of of, and sociopaths have been around since then. It's just. They are yeah. highly, highly disciplined because they have very little empathy. Yeah, and very specific goals. Like they're super goal driven and and results oriented to a detrimental <laughs> extent. You know, so that's that's where I would say yeah. As 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 an opposition to indulgence into vices, I would say yeah. That's that's a virtue. All right, moving on to the next one. The happy person, as so conceived, is the only person who was truly wise, kingly, and free. And I think maybe we have to understand the concept. Maybe um, again in the episode we long, like what was it a year ago almost, the um, exchange between Alexander the Great and Diogenes. I know I, a lot of you people probably don't understand why is it a big deal, and I think it has to do with despite somebody of higher authority and nobility being in front of him, that's not going to change, you know. The way he he's not going to adjust his behavior to expect to fit the expectations of some monarch just because of his status. Like that's the whole whole point of it. It's, I'm going to sit in the sun. I don't care if you're a king. I'm going to sit in the sun. I'm I'm happy. I'm not going to do what you want. So that's the kingly version. That's independence. That's regardless. You know that's freedom. Despite this, you know the most powerful. Well, not I think at that time he wasn't the most powerful person on the planet, but he was. The Prince of Macedon, so it's a huge deal, you know. Back in that time, now nowadays we talked about this, you and me. It's not really special, but going back two thousand years ago, there's a huge, a huge deal, because he had, I think, I think actually he had conquered a few cities in 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 Greece by this time. So he is somebody who has tremendous authority. He literally is conquering his way through this, his country. So, if if a conqueror came to you nowadays, I don't know. If you're able to act that way and be independent and not small, small, small tangent here, but what a fucking beast is Alexander, man! Mm-hmm. Like, when you think of the size of of like Macedonia compared to the fucking region that he would eventually conquer, just on horses and shit. This is <laughs> with plain. I, I know it's off topic. But no, no, God, it makes damn, sense. That's that's fucking badass. It connects man. to it. It connects to it because and at a young age. because these yeah, are things super young age. It's a status orientated. The whole point of. Diogenes is... What age did he die at? 30-something. 30, 30, early yeah. 30s, man. 
And he had already conquered up to Afghanistan, I think. Yeah, Pakistan he, he, too. He, he was stopped at Afghanistan because the mountains. But yeah, I mean, all of India, all of fucking, and, and what was it? Persia? Well, the known world. The known, at the time, the he, he known con- world. He conquered Persia, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Persia is no fucking joke. Like, this is the guys who just a little while ago were fucking, you know, beating at the Spartans' doors, right? <laughs> like, these are massive empires and on horses and fucking foot. You know, he just was like, nah, mine. So okay, if you have, if you understand who who Alexander the Great is, and you have this random old guy on the ground who's just telling, you know, he t- tells him, you know, get get out of my sunlight. I mean, in the old world, this is probably why Alexander the Great admired him. Apparently, he told him. I don't know if this is a true story, but I, I think this is confirmed to be true. And it's um, he says, if I were not Alexander, I would like to be Diogenes. He said that after. So maybe he was also impressed by the fact that he doesn't care. Well, because you have a bunch of people who are groveling at your feet saying, oh, he's the conqueror, he's the prince, he's the king, you know, sucking up to him and saying, oh, you're the greatest, you are great, you are a god. And you have this random guy just say, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. Well, and also Can, a king back then, they, I mean, like a royalty now, they're not free. Like they don't, they seem like they're the most free, but they are not free, you know. They have a whole country depending on them. Yeah, they're not free. They, where where Diogenes is living his carefree existence and shit. Yeah, so he's under all these stresses and pressures to you know conquer the world. Because I used to want to be you know, um, when I was a kid, like I don't know, like some kind of like position of authority or something. But now, growing up, I'm like, yeah, that's actually not that fun in my. It's a lot of like being a manager. It's not fun. Being a manager, you have to. You have to be a boss. You have to control, not control people, but you have to give people orders and you have to bark. Um, you're like a, you're like a dog barking out orders. So I think it's not that care. It's not a carefree existence. It does comes with, comes with its trials and tribulations. Its own shackles. There's its own shackles. Yeah. Leadership is good. I mean, some people like being leaders, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Stressful. Okay. Next one would be. Things conventionally deemed necessary for happiness, such as wealth, fame, and political power, have no value in nature. These are things; these are social constructs created by humans, and that's is why he talks about living in accordance with nature. There are other things that we should do that are more in accordance with nature. You know, although he's you know the whole that's a good idea, but he ended up going you know pleading and begging in the streets and he thought that was living in accordance with nature again i think we're the true cynics because we are so cynical we are so doubtful we are even cynical of our own cynicism it's a whole new level of cynicism it is no no, because we got to be consistent look i don't believe i don't believe that is living in accordance with nature but i get the idea i'd have so much more respect for him if he lived like in a hut outside of athens growing his own food and shit like and he kept he kept just, begging, just out, and he just was just out, taking his just out in the fucking woods and shit. Like, yeah, if he if he if he begged as a fuck you, but he had his own little farm thing going on that it was self sufficient. Yeah, okay, cool. But like, who knows though? We never know. He under his wine jar, he had a <laughs> he had an operation going on. Pringles, <laughs> Pringles. But um, all right, next one. Let's go to the next one. Um, Prime. Let me see. 
Connections drawn between happiness and self-mastery, training, rejection, rejection of mere convention, convention as foundation of for a foundation for values and virtuous character. Hellenistic philosophers shared a general interest in completely internalizing happiness. So, like I said, this is a, a throwback to what we were talking about that um, uh, it's not so unlike other philosophies, cynicism, but I think it takes it to the extreme where they, they want it they think that they're showing they're they're living it rather than just saying it. And you know what? I guess there's some to somewhat I, I at least back in the day, I was would I would respect them because I know that's a difficult um it's difficult to do what they did. I definitely probably back because in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Now, no, now definitely no. You would get free stuff, you get you would get a power bank, you get a charger, you can go to seven eleven, just chill out on your phone. But you have to understand that back then this kind of stuff is a big deal. A lot of people will hate you. A lot of people will kick you. They'll shout out you. They'll ignore you. You're in, there's no, if you live in like Corinth or whatever, it's pretty cold in winter. Was this being homeless? Yeah. Being homeless back uh, in the day. There's, there's still a pretty, I mean, when you're homeless, you're invisible until, until they're scared of you. That's about the only time I, I was homeless for a bit when I went to school. Um, cause the GI bill was all fucked up for like three months. So I was sleeping on the sidewalk and like, yeah, it's crazy. You, you're invisible to people. But it, it, that's what I'm saying. So this is walk over. So if you. we're going back two thousand years ago, I mean, it's it's not a hard, it's not an easy life. And some of these, like for example, crates of Thebes, he is known for giving away all his wealth and throwing it into the water to adapt this lifestyle and then live by it. You know, a lot of people, you know, would say, yeah, this is not impressive, but. Again, we we're, we have to understand that this is a long time ago, and that people, other people, who were nobles at the time, and saw this would probably think, "Wow, this guy, you know, I don't agree with what he's doing, but he's doing it, whether you agree with it or not." It's like, well, he did it. He's not all talk, and that's the whole point. You're supposed to live your philosophy, not just talk about it, even if that philosophy is flawed, because I think it is. Um, next one is. The cynic adopts a lifestyle that symbolizes his independence from the non-moral values that enslave the majority of people. Again, count, it's supposed to be countercultural. I think there's some... Sometimes I agree with this. Sometimes there's some stuff that is in our mainstream culture that is normalized and I guess non-moral. So I think it should be... Um, you should deface the currency in that sense. I think there's a lot. Well, there is, yeah, exactly. We were talking about uh, the oppression Olympics, victim culture, things like that. Off topic, but yeah. that example. Because it goes against this. The, the last thing, the cynic is the moral equivalent of Hercules. The whole That's what they called themselves, the watchdogs. And I think this is the earliest idea, a, a version of this idea I can think of, you know, going back where it was popularized to this extent that... The Hercules, you know, he's the slayer of monsters. The cynic's equivalent to the labors of Hercules is the effort he expands in training himself to reject all values not sanctioned by nature and to become ready for all contingencies. Because he alone of men has command over himself, the cynic is the only king, properly speaking. Um, next one. Diogenes seemed to have um, drawn a connection between nature, happiness, virtue, rationality, self-mastery, and internal and external freedom. 
the cynic life, if you can master your passions, restrict your needs and interests solely to to what your rational nature requires, treat no contingencies as capable of disturbing your strength of mind, you have acquired or come close to acquiring a virtuous character. As the Stoics concede of this, and yeah, virtue. Again, cynic has the cynics have no interest in procuring his own advantages at other people's expenses. So those are the ideas in a nutshell. We're gonna do. I'm trying. I'm gonna make it less dry because we were just going through a list. But I think some of these alone, if you go in depth and you talk about it and why it makes sense in the past and in the future, even now, I think it's more appealing. For example, um, yeah, you, you can consider it in both contexts. Yeah, because you have to consider the old context. Um, what is the most? Let me see. Because, you know, this one right here, cynic, uh, the cynic life. If you can master your passions, restrict your needs and interests solely to what your rational nature, nature requires, treat no contingencies, contingencies as capable of disturbing your strength of mind, you have acquired or, close, or come close to acquiring a virtuous character. Virtuous means different than moral, by the way, for the cynics. I think virtue has to do more with ethics, following your way of life. Rather than being, you know, good. I think the the whole justice aspect has to do more with, or morality aspect has to do more with the watchdogs. That you're trying to um, save people from their ens- their enslavement to conforming values. So that would that's how I would talk about it. Um, yeah, for example, the last pagan emperor of of Rome, his name was uh, oh, I always forget his name. I think it was Justinian. He was he liked the the cynic ideas, so again, you don't have you can adapt these, you know, incrementally, as loose principles because there's some good stuff here and there's a lot of bad stuff, so I think that's the like Justinian apply the good stuff only and get rid of the bad stuff. Yeah. So that's the way yeah. I see it. These Great are more for your own f- personal philosophy. It's a. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about Justinian because he talked about the fa- the f- fake cynics too. Some people who they got rich off cynicism. Funny enough, but there's uh, again most most of the stuff we know about the cynics are through their enemies, the lens of the people that criticize them. So Justinian is a good good example. Who somebody who was fame a famous cynic? Who else would be um, who Friedrich Nietzsche? He was a, a big fan of cynicism too, interestingly enough. So that aspect would be it would be good to explore. Anyway, Parabellum, guys. Parabellum. Parabellum.